0: Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a Paradox.
1: Guys, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. And I'm Josh.
2: And I'm Jimmy.
1: And we are excited to have Kate Merrick on the show. Kate, thanks for joining us.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
2: All the way from Southern California.
3: Right. So, I'm Sam right exactly. now I'm sitting
2: here at San wh where, where in Southern california?
3: <laughs> oh where uh, I'm in santa Barbara. Santa Barbara top of Southern California oh, yeah, so do you exactly.
2: do you hate America like everyone else in California? That's <laughs> that was my lead question today. <laughs>
3: i love living living in a liberal state i really do i think um you really have to put your money where your mouth is and yeah. uh, own where you stand and so no i actually love america i actually i, I own several flags
1: all
2: right i actually love
1: America.
3: <laughs> yeah i do
2: um yeah i
1: actually i don't know why maybe i had clients recently a lot of californians are moving to austin so i have this conversation actually two or three times recently but apparently just the slither along the coast is the liberal part that there's actually a lot of farmland and conservative pieces do you find that to be true i know you're probably on the slither but do you find that to be true as well
3: absolutely and then and then also like the city so you've got like la and san francisco oh, and yep. they're incredibly liberal Austin. You know, yep. Yep. yeah, yep, yep. but yeah, okay. there's south of the earth right here in California. There's there's hunting. There's Jimbo, you're tons not of suffer, farmland. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I just wanted to tell you, Santa Barbara. The last time I was in Santa Barbara, okay, the only time I've ever been to Santa Barbara, uh, I stayed at the Four Seasons.
3: Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Not, oh, yes. Yeah, someone
2: is- else paid for it. <laughs> I did a wedding. And they put us up there. Oh, my Lord. I have never felt like a rich person before that day.
3: Right? It was That's fantastic. Like as good as it gets. Nice. Nice. You just tasted the cream
2: of the Santa I know. Right for like 48 hours, I just looked down my nose at people. It was awesome. That's for sure. Okay, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Kate, lovely Kate, is a pastor's wife. She
1: actually co-founded a reality church there in Southern California with her husband, Britt. She is an author, she blogs also, and she loves to speak. Her latest book is And Still She Laughs. Can you tell us about the book?
3: Sure. Um, And Still She Laughs is the book of basically my journey after losing my daughter to cancer, whom I lost four years ago. Um, I had blogged my way through that on PrayForDaisy.com. Obviously, her name is Daisy Love, and it was a pretty horrific journey, and I blogged all the time through that, and as soon as she went to heaven um I went dark. I just slammed it shut nothing for several years and then um really i I just had this you know radical journey from from incredible grief and sorrow to true joy, and so the book is basically my journey from from the day she died until currently i mean.
1: You, I mean, obviously, there are no words to describe that type of experience, that unexpected experience. How in the world did you guys work through that individually, as well as a couple?
3: Um. Well, I've got a story for you, and um, right around the time of, I think my daughter's fourth cancer diagnosis, which is you know the death blow, pretty much. Um, we were in the hospital all the time in the hospital. My husband and I. His name is Britt, and we were basically shifts in the night. I mean, we hadn't slept in the same bed for months upon end, and we would we would trade shifts. We would do twelve hour shifts in the hospital, and um, <clears throat> and you know every single day, all day, there's a million choices. There's just fear surrounds every second, and stress, and it's just unbelievable to try and keep that going, to try and take care of a sick child, and um, and 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 stay together, you know, as a couple, and stay on the same page. And so, uh, one day, I was in the hospital, and we're talking on the phone, and I don't even remember what we were talking about. It was an especially stressful moment. And I, I said something along the lines of, well, whatever, and I hung up on him. And that's not the kind of, like, couple we are. We're not, you know, we don't yell. We don't hang up. And he called me right back and said, you don't hang up on me. And I was like, what? And he said, we are on the same team. And he wasn't like, you disrespected me. You hung up on me. You're not going to disrespect me. He was like, No. We are fighting against the same enemy here. We are on the same team. We are all each other hats. You, me, and the Lord, that's it. And I was like, whoa, you are right. And so you have to fight to stay on the same team, and you have to understand each other and give each other that space to be able to, you know, express yourself or um, just to realize, like, hey, this is how my spouse feels with stress. This is how my spouse feels with grief. And then after Daisy died, we, um, you know, it was just this radical thing. You lose your kid and you you just look at each other and you're like, what in the actual heck just happened? Mm -hmm. And you just have to give each other just so much space and so much respect and just understand, hey, they might grieve differently than you do, but they're dealing with stuff on their own. And so – we just gave each other that respect and that space. And we, we pretty much don't really grieve together. We're similar in that we grieve alone. I don't grieve with anyone. I don't call my mom to grieve. I don't want to, I don't really want to grieve with him. Um, It's really private for each of us. And so we just have this constant, we're on the same team. We're on the same team and we just support each other in what we need to do. But then we also put our foot down, almost like with a child where you put your foot down with your child and you're, you're like, no, this behavior is not acceptable. It's destructive. Destructive to you and it's destructive to the family. Just like he put his foot down, like, no, you're hanging up on me is not acceptable. And so that's kind of just how we took things um, from that day on is, is, um, you know, if we see destructive behavior in each other, we call out in love. Hey, man, I love you. You love me. This is not how we're going to roll here. And um, that's kind of been our basic structure for dealing with grief
1: together. You know, a lot of, um, in a lot of instances, whether it's grief or a kid getting trouble at school or being unfairly treated, you know, in, in athletics, moms can have this initial gut punch reaction and emotionally respond. And women can feel like their husbands are kind of out to lunch. Like, this should be a bigger deal than what you're you're treating it, and and they can kind of expect their husbands to have the same emotional response at the same levels. as that did y'all did you ever struggle with that with 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 Britt that he wasn't grieving enough or he wasn't emotionally responding enough?
3: Um, no, <clears throat> no, I'm gonna have to say honestly no because I would say I'm probably more on the um, quieter side in that way, like you know, friends would show up after she died and I kind of just wanted them to go away. I did not want to talk about it with them. And so I think we've been married, we're going on 20 years now, and when you know someone that well, you don't expect them to be like you. And I think that's what's the key is saying, he's his own person. If I expect him to behave or grieve or or love like me, that's ridiculous. That's really immature. And so um, I actually really respect Thats his point of view, and like you said, like with sports or if something happens to your kid that's unfair, I've learned to really look for his opinion on things because we're different people, with're different life experiences, and I really uh respect his opinion on something and so we have a sixteen year old son, and sometimes when stuff happens with him. I'll be like, okay, this is how I feel about it. This is what I feel like I want to do about it. What do you think? And then he'll either be like, no, you're completely insane. I used to be a teenage boy, so this is what we're going to do. I'll be like, oh, cool, thanks. And I think it works both ways. You know, Mm -hmm. I can say, um, you know, now he knows what it's like to live with a woman with hormones. And he's like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're insane one week out of the month. And I'm like, wait, I am? For real? And so... (laughs) But I think there's this. You have to live with each other with understanding and kind of be a little more self-aware in your responses to each other and and kind of take that step back and say, okay, I'm going to really respect your opinion here and be grateful for you. And honestly, I'm so grateful that we're not exactly the same because that would just be weird. And I think that um, that when God has been so kind to us. When one of us is up, the other one's down, and and vice versa. And so we've been able to be really encouraging toward one another um, when one of us is kind of going off the deep end, if that makes sense.
2: <laughs> well, I tell you, you guys have lived through, of course, every parent's worst nightmare, and you you grieve alone, and you've just experienced this absolute gut wrenching. At what point did you say, you know what? I think I'll try to take this experience and impact thousands of lives and write a book.
3: It took years. I I probably I probably did not even look up to the sky for two solid years, and um, I kept it together. I kept it together for my son. My son was twelve when his sister died. Um, just right at that tender age, I kept it together for the you know for the sake of our marriage and. And the body of Christ and, um, but I would have to say in my own personal grief journey, I literally just spent a couple of years in dust and ashes, like just scratching myself and just why I didn't take any speaking engagements. I didn't write at all because I just, I needed to be authentically in my grief and sit in it and um, not try and make sense of it prematurely. I think that's a huge mistake. I know in our culture with grieving people is people want you to be okay. And that's why people slap flimsy Bible verses on you. That's why people, you know, send you letters like, it's okay. She's great. She's in heaven. And they want you to feel better. And I know all those things. I know she's in heaven. I know she's the one that's okay. But it's okay to not be okay for a while. Absolutely. So I spent a couple of years not being okay. and um. And then the Lord really led me to say yes to a certain speaking engagement. And the verse being taught was Proverbs 31:25 and 26, which says, "Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs without fear of the future." And um, he said to me, "They said you get to choose which verse you want to teach." Oh, and also the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Which all three of those those phrases are just incredible, incredible, beautiful scripture. But the Lord really told me to last with it, a fear of the future, that is for you. I have something to tell you. And it's funny because when you take a speaking engagement, when you teach others, you're the one that gets all the good. You're the one that gets the hours and hours and hours in the words. You know what I mean? You're the one that gets the benefit. You think, oh, I'm doing this for them, but honestly, it's, it's for me. And they get a fraction of what I get. And that's that was kind of the beginning of of the healing process for me is God speaking through me or to me through scripture. And, um, after I took that speaking engagement, I, I thought this is so life giving. I could go on and on and on. And so that speaking engagement turned into 12 chapters and I just started writing it out. I have a baby. Well, she's three now, but I had a baby then. When she went down to sleep, I would just start writing and writing and writing, and it turned into a book.
1: <laughs> Gary, I'm going to butcher this quote by Gary Thomas, but he discusses the idea that discontentment comes out of expectations that were broken, where contentment comes out of just being thankful the to the for the things that we do have, the things that we have received. How much of your grief? had to move away from the broken expectation of your children, your child, Daisy, outliving you, um, and towards the years that you did have with them and being thankful for those?
3: I would say that was my landing place, is like that perspective. I, I think it was It was actually both. It was the beginning of healing and the landing place in it. Um, I think it's absolutely huge. I think we ex- things to go so perfectly. I think that's what goes wrong in marriages. We expect women expect their husbands to read their minds. Um, men expect women to behave like men and it's ridiculous because that's just not possible and I don't think that's the way God wants it to be. And so yeah, that perspective is huge. I think I think there's just the the radical Human emotion of grief that just plays a huge part in it. But as far as like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna back up a little bit and, and say the same. Um, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. So I think. In the not being okay, there's that, you got to get through it. You know, Job lamented, God said you didn't sin and all that. He was totally okay with Job crying for 37 chapters. And I love the, um, the NLT, New Living Translation. Job says, um, I wish I was never born. I hate my life. He tells his friends, when are you going to stop blowing hot air? I mean, it's so real. And, and at the end, when God, you know, God confronts Job on all that, He's like, yeah, he didn't sin in any of that. And so that to me is a green light to be like, I am not okay. But then God speaks to Job from the whirlwind and he just reveals himself to him. And so I think that's in the let's not stay that way. God's saying, I'm bigger than you. I've got this. Look to me, not to your problems. And that's also part of perspective. And then that leads you to, you know, a heart of gratitude. Like Job ends up, worshiping God after all that in the beginning and in the end you know his perspective kind of started in the beginning God gives and takes away but blessed be his name
2: you know you sound like an amazing Bible teacher it's a shame that as a woman you have to stay silent in the church because (laughs) you have a lot of really good things to say
3: and you know what I have great hair too and all the hair covering is just uh,
2: now then, you, you've noticed this, and maybe other people don't know, we do meticulous research for this show. And so 15 to 20 seconds before we began taping, we asked you, <laughs> so what is your Instagram and Facebook and Twitter information? And you said something <laughs> that nobody has said in the history of this show. Okay. I don't have any of those things.
3: Yep, I don't. Please discuss. Alrighty. Um, <clears throat> I've never had an interest in Facebook. Um, I gotta say I walked over to my friend's house one day, she had a computer open and it was on Facebook and I said, Oh, that's what Facebook is. Huh? And she said, yeah. And I read it. And there was a friend of hers describing how many loads of laundry she did that day. And that she was going to the grocery <laughs> store afterwards. And I thought, I will never get that five seconds of my life back. I am so offended. I <laughs> What is this, and why do people? Oh, but there's political
1: posts now. You're missing out.
3: I am (laughs) missing out. Apparently, on laundry and politics. So (laughs) there was that was there, and then Twitter. I I was always like, why would I don't I don't get Twitter. I'm I'm sorry, I just don't, and I I don't really care. My husband had a Twitter account, um, but he went off it about well, right when Daisy died, he went off it four years ago. But I did have Instagram. I had Instagram for maybe eight months or so and it's kind of a long story. How much time do you guys have? <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Alrighty, so Instagram. Um I went off Instagram for two reasons. Reason number one, I was sitting in the hospital at UCLA and we were trying to harvest these stem cells and we were getting ready to move to Israel to do experimental treatment to try and save her life. And Um, I'm sitting there with my darling, beautiful, precious, freckle-faced daughter. I turn on my phone. I scroll through everyone else's posts. Everyone else's daughter has hair. They're all at the beach. We're in a hospital room. And I just Mm. sunk further and further into self-pity. And so I took a picture out the window and I posted it saying, this is my view today or something, you know, something snarky. And (laughs) I wanted people to feel sorry for me. I posted that for that. That's the only reason I posted that, is I wanted people to feel sorry for me. And then God instantly said, like, really? Like, that's gross. That's that's really gross of you to do that for two reasons. Well, the, the most important reason is your daughter still lives. She is sitting here across from you in this room. You get to cuddle her. You're not at work. You're not... Um, you know, like you're able to sit here and be and be with her, and and she can talk to you. You guys can play games, you can color together. And I thought, wow, I really have something here. I wasn't seeing because I was busy looking at everyone else's life. And um, and so that was kind of the beginning of it. And then within the next couple of weeks, I went off completely because we were about to move to Israel. And we we looked at each other, my husband and I, and we said. Gosh, this is real life, and Daisy's life looks like it's about to end. We don't know for sure. This is our last-ditch effort to save her. We're going to Israel right now, and we don't want to miss one second of life with each other or with these kids because of a phone, because of Instagram, because, um, you know, because of anyone else. And so um, we both had iPhones. We left our iPhones in America we did not want to be distracted by taking pictures and then posting them and then having people say, you know, on your on your feed or what I don't even remember what it's called, but to you know, giving you notifications like, Oh, how cool, to use Galilee praying for you or whatever. Uh, Shabbat Shalom, I mean anything. We're like, no, we don't want any other voices in, in our family. And so we we left our iPhones at home. We got these little phones that only worked in Israel just in case we got separated, and we completely went off the grid. It was amazing. And then when I got home, I thought, this is the way to live, fully and completely with each other. I don't need to be on any social media. And my husband actually not only did not use his iPhone ever again, he actually didn't have a phone for the next three months. He didn't even have a phone. So, um now he does because I got really sick of him, his friends, calling me. And so, <laughs> like, <laughs> you've the got idea, to
1: get The idea that I, I think at some level it's talked about, but to you put it so plainly, the idea that social media disconnects us from real life. Uh, I mean, that's that's incredible
2: wisdom. Well, and we discussed this just before we went on, but after that... You are one of our favorite guests and get a free (laughs) dinner at Enchiladas y (laughs) Mas.
0: I I wanted to
3: share that with you.
1: you Cashing
2: in. (laughs) Cashing in.
1: Um, Do y'all ever make it to Austin?
3: Um, I was in Austin for If Gathering this year and last year.
1: We actually just talked to, we spoke with Jenny Allen yesterday. Um, Are you involved in her ministry or did you just attend the event?
3: She had us speak actually at. Uh, it's got it. And then I did, I filmed a little, um, they do If Equip, it's like little Bible studies. Yep. So I filmed okay. one of those. Yeah. So yep. I was on that.
2: Well, the next time, I, I know if you have to like send a carrier pigeon well, you've all- with the message <laughs> that you're in town, signal. it's on us. We're
3: doing smoke signal. <laughs> <laughs>
2: then you and the big bearded guy that kills things, we are going to Enchilada mas.
1: Well, you also promised Jenny and Zach. <laughs> you're racking up quite the so. bill. I know.
2: Um, but I mean it with y'all. I didn't really mean it with her. But with you guys, <laughs> I mean it.
1: guys, if you want more from Kate, it is K just the letter and then her last name Merrick dot com. And that's where she does most of her updating and blogging and where you can hear from her. Um, If you want to check out Daisy's story, it is PrayForDaisy.com, and the memorial service is on that as well, right?
3: That's right,
1: yeah. Um, So definitely go check out both of those websites. Kate, we appreciate you being on. Thank you so
2: much.
3: Thank you. Thank thank you. It was awesome.
2: You know, right before we went on, she had said, yeah, Britt, her husband, he has a giant beard and he likes to kill things. And so I thought, well, he's obviously a Jewish priest and he's working in the temple. (laughs) And he's sacrificing turtle doves Mm -hmm, and such, mm -hmm. especially like in California, because I think they shoot you if you shoot something (laughs) in California. So, but what an amazing couple.
1: That is the closest I've been to crying on our episodes. Yeah. When she described her social media feed and sitting with her daughter.
2: God. And she's still right here and I can still play games with her. I mean, seriously. Amazing. And she's, and still she laughs is the name of the book. Mm-hmm. Got to grab it. You know, I was sitting here thinking, no Instagram, who published her book? Cuz all they ask is <laughs> how are you going to promote what how big is your platform? I had to publish her book, she was great. I don't care what the platform.
1: Here, I loved her pieces. Um she described grief, the the beginning of it as I went dark. You know, when she was describing how her marriage dealt with the grief, she, she might have used this word, but the the first thing that came to my mind is that they had humility towards one another. Mm-hmm. They allowed each other to grieve differently and individually. She discussed the importance of sitting with the grief and not running away from it. And the idea that it's it's okay to not be okay.
2: Oh, to think that my husband has got to respond like me, to grieve like me, to see things like I think, that is so immature. And what is she, like 12? I don't know how she's. she sounds so years. young. You, she's 40? Is she 40? I have no clue, though wow. She sounds so young. But I mean... You, That's what you learn over time is, well, that's just stupid to demand that you respond to things like I respond to things.
1: A lot of wisdom. If you want more information about this show, as well as all the links to Kate's information, go to ParadoxPodcast.com and click on the episode tag uh, or tab. And if you want to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you go to that same website,
2: ParadoxPodcast.com. And if anyone wants a free dinner at Enchilada Zimas. Everybody, like the Pied Piper. No, like Oprah. You get a free dinner, in and You get a free dinner. Yeah, just call Josh, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. and he'll, he'll, he'll take you. Guys, have a good rest of your day. Peace.
0: Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julilylescar.com If you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox...
3: And as soon as we begin to uh, consistently encounter that shame, uh, what we do is we start to have to hide our, our true self away. We begin to distrust our sense of worthiness, and our lives really become this project of trying to develop a different self, like a false self,
2: that we think will be more presentable to the
3: world.